Welcome to Craig's Colorado Corner, taking on the toughest issues of our times, cornering the Colorado market on political and legal conversations. Craig Silverman, former Denver prosecutor, sets the table for smart panelists. And this week, our guest is former Republican stalwart, Rudy Giuliani campaign guy, public policy expert, active Colorado lawyer, and Craig's columnist colleague at the Colorado Sun, Mario Nicholas. And joining this week's panel is the first African-American legislator ever elected Colorado Speaker of the House. He's also a peace officer, a Christian minister, a Colorado attorney, and a Denver Post columnist, the Honorable Terrence Carroll. Ladies and gentlemen, Craig's Colorado Corner. I really am so honored to have you guys on my first episode of Craig's Colorado Corner. Let me explain the rules. And that is, there are no hard and fast rules. We are going to have a great conversation dominated by the panelists. That would be you, Speaker Carol. You've already gotten a wonderful introduction by the announcer. We pay her a lot. Mario, same with you. And we have distributed the topics. And without further ado, and because this is hard-hitting, and it's kind of like the best of Colorado Inside Out and something people can listen to on their Monday morning drive. And it's going to be a heavy emphasis on the prosecutions against Donald Trump because that's what's on my mind. That's what's on the panelists' minds. But it's not the only thing because other big things have been happening. I'm, I'm going to throw it to the longtime Republican Mario Nicholas Ohio, that vote last Tuesday on abortion, somehow it did not get discussed on Denver AM radio. I wonder why. How big was it? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, it's actually more of a vote on how they would vote in the future and just went down in in flames. And uh, I mean, I think you, you got to look at the context of this, too, and how this is kind of played out over the last few years since Roe v. Wade was overturned. Remember, Kansas had a similar vote when they actually voted on abortion and it went down in flames. And, you know, you see this happening in Ohio, which is a swing state and it had been had been more reliably Republican over the last um, several election cycles. And this looks like it's something that could turn it the other way. Um, I, I will say here in Colorado, <laughs> I mean, Republicans have been doing everything they could to make sure that they had no chance to win. And one more thing <laughs> they could do is try to put one of these things on the ballot. Um, and then they could just be guaranteed to be a super minority party uh, for until the end of time in this state. The dog caught the vehicle, right? And it's an F-150. Terrence Carroll, you are the political guru did the Republicans bite off more than they can chew? Did you even see Ann Coulter said, whoa, Republicans, don't you see what we did? Now they'll just elect nothing but Democrats and uh, abortion will be legal, you know, until you're eight years old or whatever they're going to say. Now, I think Mario, get this um, speak to you, Mario, by the way, and thanks for having me on, Craig. I think Mario hit the nail right on the head when he said, you know, this is one where the dog caught his tail and didn't know what to do. <laughs> and, Do and Dobbs is the dog on the tail. 
that caught up with the Republican Party. Um, and now you see where they're looking for these other cultural issues to try to instigate folks up and get people wound up over. And I don't think much of it's catching on based on some of the polling I've seen. Uh, but, you know, this abortion thing is probably the gift they didn't want. No, I think it's going to ruin them. But let's move on to a tough topic, a lot of money being spent. I was hoping Ukraine could push back Russia with a summer offensive. It's now mid-August, the Ukraine war. Let's stick with you, Terrence Carroll. It's a lot of money, but will this end up being a bad thing, another foreign entanglement? I mean, so far, it's not a direct foreign entanglement except for the provision of arms and money. But this is one of those things that, you know, I'm a, I try to be a pacifist, but this is one of those things where in the world of real politics, the United States and, and the NATO countries really have no choice but to provide some support, some type of support to Ukraine in the face of naked Russian aggression. I mean, I thought, I mean, I, I thought the offensive would be a hard way to go, but there, there is some progress being made, and, and the Russians haven't made any progress in a little bit more than a year. So, I mean, this is a tough one to call, but I think at the end of the day, uh, there's going to be, I mean, Ukraine will end up stopping Russia, but I don't know how much territory, territory they'll lose in the process, though. Maybe what, they already get, maybe what they've already given up may just end up being what they give up. Unfortunately. Mar yeah, Mario, a forever war, that can't be good for any party to be in charge of. Yeah, I don't think it's a forever war. I, I think there are a couple things you have to kind of look at this from. Um, and historically, obviously, we're talking about Europe as opposed to some other parts of the uh, world. And we know what happens in Europe when we have autocratic regimes like Putin's uh, try to take over. Um, and and bully other European countries. Um, and I think that's one of the lessons and exactly why folks are basically saying, look, we have to stop this in Ukraine. Uh, I also think honestly, um, I don't I don't think that Russia can can hold out a forever war. I don't think Putin can hold out a forever war. I mean, let's remember, not so long ago, only a few months ago, um, one of his biggest backers and one of the uh, most effective combat groups, which is a mercenary group that Russia hired, had almost a full-on revolt and was marching on Moscow. Um, yeah, mean, the Wagner group. You know? Yeah, the Wagner yeah, group. Yeah, the Wagner group. I mean, this is, we're not, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that this is sustainable for Russia. Um, and I think that's, they have a bigger issue there about whether this is sustainable for them. Um, I think that the allies can keep on funding the Ukraine. Um, and, and I think Ukraine is, uh, they, they obviously want to protect their homeland and they have done a good job so far. Um, I, I, I honestly, I, I think the bigger, it's, it's not like, I guess, I guess, it's the reverse, remember, too. It's not as though we're going into some country where that's their homeland. And we're trying to change it there. We're literally just helping people who are doing exactly that, protecting their homeland against um, Russian aggressors. So uh, I personally have a lot of optimism still about it, and I think that this is going to end badly for Russia. All right. Let's and make it. Okay, now, now I... I'm taking off my moderator hat just for a minute because I feel so passionately about this and I want you guys to correct me. 
I don't know if you remember Glenn Gondrasek. He played for the Nuggets a long time ago, local product. But if there was a loose ball, he would dive for it. Okay, one of those guys. And right now I think we got to go all out. It's war. Ukraine is scrappy, but how much can they take? There's a genocide. Russia is weakened with their defections by the Wagner group and all that shit. And we can curse on this show, fellas. Feel free. And and what I want to say is this, that in for a dime and for a dollar, let's get them the F-16s. Let's end it now. Let's not have another miserable winter where these people have to freeze. Hey, can I get an amen on this, Preacher Carol, that if Donald Trump wins, Ukraine is fucked. You don't have to say fucked like I just did, but all these Republicans who say that Putin's a thug, bad guy. God, John McCain was right about that. But he used to have a lot of backup, Lindsey Graham among others. And now what? So if Trump wins, yeah, it'll be over in 24 hours because he'll give his buddy Vlad Putin whatever he wants. So Biden, give the F-16s now. Speaker Carroll, preach. Yeah, unfortunately, I think you're correct about if Trump wins. Uh that you know this is doesn't look good for Ukraine if Trump wins because I don't know what's happened to the the, the other party the Republican Party when it comes to uh, Russia um, but there seems to be a, a, an increasing number of Republicans um, who I, mean, I would I guess they self-identify as MAGA Republicans who somehow see Russia as some type of jacked up ally. I don't even, I don't have any other word to describe it, but I think it's this thing how authoritarians like to authoritarian with each other. And that's what is happening with now, preacher uh, Trump Carol, and Putin. Preacher Carol, can I just ask you one thing? What uh-huh. what what color is Vlad Putin? Is he a white man? Yes. I mean, yeah, 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 and yeah. what religion is he? I, I suspect if he comes from, I suspect he was probably atheist or agnostic no, or something he, coming from he, the Soviet Union. He wears a crucifix. But orthodox. He wears a crucifix. His mama so, baptized him. I'm not putting him down for being a Christian. All I'm saying is he's a white Christian male. And there are a lot of people in the GOP who say, hey, we like white Christian males. We don't like this little Jewish guy, Zelensky. We like the way a strong man like Vlad Putin takes care of business. So, I see some racism here. I see some white Christian nationalism and, and affinity. Charlie Kirk with that Turning Point conference, he said 95% of the attendees uh, wanted to sell out Ukraine or not give them any money. Let them go it alone. Mario, what do you think? Well, I think getting back to the original question, I mean, I think Donald Trump obviously has an affinity for Vladimir Putin, and he also has a extreme dislike for the Ukraine um, based not only on what he did previously in withholding uh, money from them and defense money to keep this from happening originally, um, but also then he, he'll throw out the whole, oh, Hunter Biden um, and all that. So I, I, I think, you know, if Donald Trump comes in, a, I, I think that the U, it hurts the Ukraine substantially. Because I think the U.S. Uh, will not be backing them, um, and Donald Trump will cave because he's a weak man. Um, and but I do think that other NATO allies may step up because right. I think they all understand the threat to them 
that Putin poses. Yeah, well, we, we will have, I mean, we can't even go there. That would be, that might be another show. What happens if Trump mm. wins? I mean, that's, that's awful. It's too awful to even contemplate, but you're the political star here, Terrence Carroll. I mean, you achieved great heights. What's going on politically with the Republicans? Why can't any of them mount any momentum against this guy? And is Donald Trump a shoe-in to win the GOP race? I think part of the problem is that many of them are trying to be, to a certain degree, Trump-like or, or a more acceptable Trump to the base. And I don't think they get the fact that the base, that hard 30% that Trump has, that's Trump's 30%. They don't want anyone else but Donald Trump. And so they're speaking to a choir that's already committed to one preacher and one church. Uh, and that's a problem. And Ron DeSantis is not any kind of scintillating sermon giver. Mario, would you would you go to a service led by DeSantis? Only if it's his own. <laughs> a funeral <laughs> service? Yeah, oh. yeah. Uh, only if he's burying his campaign. What's, um, what's up no. with that guy? I mean, you tell everybody how long you were in Republican politics. Both of these guys have been on past episodes, but... You ran in these ranks, didn't you? Yeah, I was. I was. I worked in Republican politics for nearly twenty years. Um, I I ran for office as a Republican. I worked on U.S. Senate campaigns, congressional campaigns, presidential campaigns, and by I mean was actual paid staff member on all of them, a consultant. Um, That said, I mean I think you know what you have seen happen with the Republican Party, particularly since Donald Trump descended down the. the escalator, the Republican Party has descended. Uh, I just kept on descending right straight into the core of the earth and melted down. Um, and that's where they're at. They're, there's really not an ideology driving them anymore. Um, and right, what right. But what, what, what happened to the old Republicans? Did they just disappear? Or did they capitulate? Yeah. Some disappeared, think, some capitulated, right? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of folks did the same thing I did, where we just we said, hey, look, we gave it our best shot to change it, reform it. It didn't happen. And we jumped ship and uh, became unaffiliated. You know, in my case, some some became Democrats. Um, a lot did that. There were a lot of other folks who basically, you know, said, well, this is my team. We've got to stick by my team. So the capitulation, I think you've seen a lot of that as well. There are some folks left who think that they'll be able to maybe fix it, you know, once this is all blown over. But, uh, you know, I, I think what you've seen and what you're seeing right now is that those those folks are in error. You know, they thought Donald Trump was out of office and, hey, maybe we could start building back the old Republican Party. Well, guess what? Your front runner and your almost shoo-in to be the nominee in 2024 is Donald Trump, carrying multiple indictments, um, having led an insurrection against the United States of America um, and, you know, currently uh, trying to go after judges and go after prosecutors. Um, I mean, it's, it's all the traits of an autocrat. And that's what DeSantis is trying to do in Florida. He wants to be a mini autocrat in Florida. I mean, look at the fights he picks with, you know, <laughs> Mickey Mouse. I mean, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Or, or the fights he picks against librarians. Um, I mean, yeah, we're all stipulating he's a non-factor. It's going to be Trump, and we're all just 
I mean, I'm I'm depressed. I'm shocked. I'm I'm revolted by the fact that the Republicans would do this after he had Thanksgiving dinner with Kanye West and Nick Fuentes, a, a neo-Nazi. I mean, it's ridiculous. I think I've stumbled onto something that Republicans like Dick Wadhams, who I had on my show, they had three choices. They could, well, four really. They they could disappear. They could capitulate. They could revolt, or they could cheerlead. And I think Dick is. I don't want to say he's revolting because he's not revolting, but I told him I want you to stay a Republican and fight for your party. You know what I mean? It's one of the few guys who will stand up. And what what are the options, Terrence? Have you ever thought about your party falling apart? It's sort of like marriage. Holy cow, I never thought this would happen or that. But it comes a point where, you know, the Democrats could go so nuts that you'd say, sorry, right? I mean, all parties have a life cycle if you look at politics, so- the parties evolve, they devolve, and they go through things. And it's quite possible that at some future point, the Democratic Party could fall into some hard left populism. Um, it's a it's a thing that could happen. And, and then you're then it's a moral question. What do you do? I like to think that if my party went off the deep end like that, that I'm gonna have the moral courage to say fuck this and move on. I had to curse since you said I could curse. Oh, God, um, I, I love that. That was uh, fucking uh, great to have a preacher I, curse on a Sunday for a Monday show. <laughs> I, I want to go to your sermons. But you're a police officer, too, so you kind of have to curse. Yeah, and actually, my mother had a sailor's mouth, so I, I grew up with it. Beautiful. Curse away. Mario, you're next. Think of some good words to top that. Keep going, preacher. Um, uh, I'm not going to try to do that. I'm no, totally no, no. Let's get back to preacher Carol. Were you done? <laughs> no, about political no, parties. Was, no, no, I was done. I was done. Oh, it was so good. So good. Anyway, let's move on because we can't take all the time because the focus for me and I'm obsessed and I hope it's over with quick. And Judge Tanya Chutkin is a character that I recognize because I grew up with a lot of strong public defenders, some of them of color, a lot of them female in Denver courts. A lot of them went on to be great judges. And Tanya Chutkin strikes me as a woman in her prime. She grew up as a federal public defender. That's a job of distinction. You have to be smart to get that job and tough to hold it. She went on to a big firm, was a great litigator there, caught the eye of a guy named Barack Obama who nominated her, and she was approved 95-0. But what I like the best is her experience level. Over 10 years in the action-packed D.C. courts, I just love it that in this case of the century, we've got a woman in full, a woman who has uh, the smarts, the experience, to do the job, if anybody can, because this may be the toughest job of a trial judge ever. I'll throw it to you, Mario, first. Tanya Chutkin, what do you see? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think she's a no-nonsense judge, and I think that's exactly what you need. Um, I mean, uh, you know, the, the problem we're going to have as a country is, you know, I, I, Trump almost is... <laughs> He almost doesn't want to uh, 
uh, admit the validity of her as a judge. Um, you know, I mean, he's out there blasting her on social media, um, which I don't know that I've ever seen anyone else in a criminal complaint decide that that's the move to go. But, you know, at some point in time, you know, if he gets convicted and he gets sentenced, I mean, uh, that, that's that's my really big interest is what happens then? I mean, would, would Donald Trump just simply refuse to go to jail? Because he might. He might try to do it. I mean, I think he could, he could try to run um, or, or he could try to hide behind his folks. Uh, but I think I think I think Judge Chicken is is I think she's I, I think she's exactly the kind of judge that we need in a case like this. Someone who's not going to be swayed by the moment, someone who is not going to be, um, you know, pushed over by um arguments that aren't even legal arguments that are more PR and political arguments. I mean, you compare it to judge cannon down in Florida, who is just, um, <laughs> uh, he, he just a dumpster fire, but even that, even there, I mean, Trump's struggling. So I, I think it's gonna be interesting. I think, you know, the, the lawyers for Trump, oh, I can't even imagine trying to defend him in this because you, you, he's totally uncontrollable and he's going to do things that will get him in trouble and you in trouble and make it almost impossible to do your job. I, I mean, I guess the flip side of that is, is how much money they're raking in. I mean, I saw a report today that he spent $27 million on lawyers since, since the beginning of the year. No, no, it was 40.2 and that was a while ago. Yeah. The the fund, wow. the Great America Fund, and I, are we the only three lawyers who haven't cashed in on this? Mario, tell the truth, have you? Not yet. No, You're thinking about no, it. Now. No, I, I, you know, you know, I, yeah, I couldn't see myself. I couldn't see myself um, on Donald Trump's side uh, ever for any amount of money. It's uh, it's. It, it, it it will drain you, and you might have to hire lawyers, and I'm not sure that he even pays. But Terrence Carroll, Tanya Chutkin, what do you know about this woman? What do you think as you look at her, read about her? We're all getting educated right before we recorded this late on a Sunday. Donald Trump put out on Truth Social an attack on her, a claim that she's on the record for trying to run interference for Biden or something like that and brought her husband into it too. That's the mobster technique. So now Chetkin, who issued an order on Friday, hey, you can't do this, you can't do that. He wasn't there, but she said it to uh, the lawyers. I'll just say this straight up, Terrence Carroll, turn it over to you. I've been studying Donald Trump, and it's hard for me to believe that I'll submit to anybody's authority, let alone a black female. What do you think? Now, based on this history of black women, I wouldn't be surprised. And I'll say this about the judge first. Um, she's tried a few of these January 6th cases, and she's been a straightforward, no-nonsense judge in these things. And, and, and also, you know, very strict on the defendants when it came time to um, sentencing. And I think Trump sees that, and I, and I, I believe that worries him. Um, I saw the tweet uh, that he sent on Truth, thanks to you, because I don't normally follow. I don't. I'm not on Truth Social or whatever it's called. Uh, but I'm glad that somebody is that's paying attention. Uh, and I, I can't believe that's not a violation of the court's order. Uh, it's it's witness. It's it's 
it's an attack on the judiciary, the federal judiciary, in my opinion. And, and also, we know this man has a propensity for making up stories that just aren't true. And I haven't had a chance to com- completely fact check his truth social post, but it just on the surface appears to probably be a lie. It is. It's like his accusation that Bonnie Willis had sex with the leader of a gang. The only woman I know who had sex with the leader of a gang is Stormy Daniels and maybe Melania. Yeah, they had a kid together. Anyway, uh, the bottom line is he will lie. And I've seen this tactic. I prosecuted a death penalty case in Denver. Judge Connie Peterson, a super strong female judge, the other side wanted her off the case. And so they started lying about her, claimed she said this and did things that she just had never done. And she saw it through until finally the verdict came. And eventually she grieved all of them for their false accusations. But I would tell Judge Chutkin to not take the bait right now, to hold her fire and let him keep uh, chewing up the rope that she's going to give him. But at the point that he starts threatening witnesses, then I think she'll have to do something. And that's pretty inevitable. Bonnie Willis is about to act. A lot of common witnesses, and boy, it's getting thick. What do you think about what I just said, uh, Terrence? And do you think that she has to be careful or she shouldn't care? I mean, I love what she said on Friday. Hey, politics has nothing to do with this, which is smart. She can't decide political issues. And she said, I'm going to treat you, I'm going to give you all the rights of a defendant, but nothing different. That's beautiful. But she can accelerate the trial. And I think that's the key. I wrote for the Colorado Sun, Trump's the master of the art of the continuance. He knows how to delay bad things. But he's cutting his own throat because smart judge, Judge Chutkin told the lawyers, hey, if I can't control this trial and the fair administration of justice because you're out there every day screwing things up, I got to get this done fast then before you screw it up with every day going by. Do you see what I'm saying, Terrence? Would that be a winning argument for you? I mean, I do see what you're saying, and I think to a certain degree, he has to treat him like he's a pro se defendant uh, in the sense, give him a little bit more latitude than you might otherwise give someone who's represented by counsel. And not because he's not represented, but because he's going to go out and yell that he's being mistreated so poorly. And I, and I think she's done the right thing so far, giving him just enough room to maneuver and do his things, but not enough to really go off the deep end. And I think she has to keep following this current course of action that she's on. And his lawyers aren't really helping out there. I mean, they're they're saying some, they're saying cray-cray out there in the airways. Um, this lead attorney, I believe, said, well, he should move it to West Virginia uh, because it's, it's far, far more diverse in D.C., which is really code for saying, there are far more white folks in West Virginia than D.C. because West Virginia is 91 percent white um, and, and, and and friendly political territory for Trump. So he thinks he could find a jury there that, you know, won't convict. He may not be too far from the truth. And you know what? The whole Republican Party echoed that racist taunt. And Lindsey Graham and Ron DeSantis said, hey, nobody can get a fair trial in Washington. Code, there are too many black people there. This guy is such a loser. I'm not going to waste more time talking about him, but Mario, back to USA v. Trump. I'm on Team USA, and I'm glad Judge Chutkin is calling the balls and strikes. I think she'll keep this game going like the new 
uh, timing in baseball. Let's get, let's get going. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think Trump wants to just delay and delay and delay. And, and I mean, I, you know, not the least of which is because I think he truly believes if he can delay past the election and he can win the election, then he can say, you can't prosecute me because I'm president. And let's remember that played a big role for Robert Mueller and his recommendations on how to go because he didn't think they could prosecute a sitting president. And I think I think Trump sees that as like, hey, try to try to prosecute me while I'm uh, president. That said, uh, I mean, the government has been um, I think they're lining themselves up very well. I think Jack Smith is lining it up very well. He said, well, look, we have all the evidence that we've got and we put it in in orders that will make it very easy to go through. So we're pushing for this uh, this to come through sooner. And it'll be amazing to see. It'll be very interesting to see how quickly um, we do get to process this. I don't. I don't think Trump is going to get it when he wants it. I, I mean, just I just see no way where he pushes it out uh, beyond the election. Not not with this judge there. And you know, his problem is, um, what does he do? Um, <laughs> you know, what does he do when he has to have trial in the middle of a primary season? Well, they, you know, that happens. It's like Michael Bailey, uh, the sponsor of the show. He's booked two months in a row. But try that excuse if you're going on trial. Hey, I've got clients, Your Honor. Or if you're an airline pilot. If you think about it, Trump really doesn't have a day job. But there is a lot of discovery. And if he would just keep his mouth shut, he'd get the nomination. He could have pushed this all back. Because did you hear how many documents is in this D.C. case alone? 11.6 no. million documents, 11.6. They say it's all organized for them, Judge. But I mean, holy cow, how much can a lawyer read at night without going blind? It's an easy number to remember because if you think about it, 11.6, it's a lot like 11,780 the votes that he asked for Brad Raffensperger. Isn't he screwed in Georgia? Doesn't Bonnie Willis have four of a kind? And she's going to go after your buddy Rudy Giuliani too. Conspirator number one, conspirator with the coffee county, you know, that black dog in the office. He even rolled over on Rudy now. I'm telling you, Rudy's in a heap of trouble. Mario, tell everybody about your relationship with Rudy and what do you think happens next? Yeah. So, you know, when I was in college, I almost dropped out to uh, um, go work for Giuliani on his Senate bid. Good thing I didn't because he dropped out about two weeks after I was thinking about leaving. Um, uh, but then after law school, I had the opportunity to go work for his presidential campaign. So we're talking 2007. Um, and, you know, at the time, he was a Republican who I thought could change the Republican Party to being a little bit more rational saying he'd been in favor of um, uh, LGBTQ uh, plus uh, equality. He had been in favor of reasonable gun control measures. Uh, this was a, you know, he was pro-choice. This was a guy who I thought, hey, look, we could move the Republican Party in the right direction. Um, lost that election. And, you know, I think what you saw, and I, I've written about this before as well, he just couldn't stand to be out of the limelight. Um, and he needed to go be at the center of attention. And so he did exactly what you were talking about. You said there were those four options, Craig, what Republicans can do. 
and he jumped all aboard on the um, cheerleader. You know, let's let's be the cheerleader for Donald Trump and get myself into that, and I can get myself a national attention by doing this. And um, now I think it's <laughs> it's pretty humorous to me that he did that, and you know when he wanted to be Secretary of State, and Trump was like, no. And then, then he's a lawyer for him, and Giuliani wanted to get paid, and Trump was like, no, I'm not going to pay you either. You know, this guy allegedly a billionaire won't pay his clients. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know why you would stick with him and stay with, uh, uh, stay with Trump and keep doing that. But it could potentially be because you committed criminal violations yourself. I mean, the fact that Rudy Giuliani isn't already in jail because of what he did in Ukraine is a travesty. Absolutely. And you know what? True. What he did to Marie Yovanovitch, a brave American woman doing a great job, and that son of a bitch now is on tape. He's getting sued civilly, talking shit against Jewish people the size of our schmeckles. I'll put my schmeckle up against his any day. Anyway, I'm not. What a <laughs> what an asshole! And I'll confess this to you, Mario. <laughs> I. Sorry. I yeah, he says Italians are longer because they use it more, and Jews put it away once they get married. That was in the transcript of this woman who was taping him because she realized what a scumbag he was. Anyway, no, just, in your defense, just, in your defense, I liked him too. I mean, I was a prosecutor, and he was uh, widely regarded in New York. Now, Terrence Carroll, you're the preacher. You got to analyze Rudy, but from your solid democratic perspective didn't you think rudy was hey maybe there's a republican we can work with like like mario said he, he isn't trying to condemn gay people he he often acts like a gay guy you know and he and he he he's he's, he's pro-choice and he's pro-gun control and and he's cleaning up think, the city what, what did you think about him terrence back I in the day what, Terrence, I think what Craig is asking you is, how does Rudy measure up? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm so not touching that. I'm not touching that. God, nobody asked Daniel you to Bolt. touch it. No, I. He didn't. He didn't br- <laughs> notice. He didn't bring black guys into that conversation. That might have been a whole different competition. But uh, the one thing I learned, and tell me if it's true, Terrence. If I hear anybody talking trash about black people, I know they're talking shit about Jewish people when I'm not around. Don't you feel the same way if you ever hear somebody talk bad about Jews? Don't you expect they're talking bad about black people if they, if it's a white person when, you know like, what I'm saying? I, I, I assume anyone who doesn't, he says anything bigoted, racist, all the things, you know, they, they have it out for anybody that doesn't look like them. So they're, yes. they're out there, they're talking about a Jewish person poorly or using uh, Semitic tropes, anti-Semitic tropes. They're probably doing the same thing with black folks or Mexican folks. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. And and I was never a fan of Rudy Giuliani. I mean, this is the father of stop and frisk. I mean, I, I just, mm-hmm. I was never down with him. Um, he's not my kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Boy, no, see? And uh, I should have been more sensitive to that. And maybe you should have been too, Mario. Maybe you felt the bigotry all the time. And think about what, how Donald Trump castigated, put a full-page ad out against the Central Park Five. What a racist puke uh, Trump is, right? Against all manner of people. And that's really what I think attracts the people who decide to cheerlead Mario. I think they find that common bond of bigotry. 
Many times, that's true. I mean, to stay with MAGA now, after he said to the Proud Boys, stand back and stand by, I mean, holy cow. If you're a white Christian nationalist, maybe you like that, but you're the white guy here, Mario. Tell us what's going on. Oh, well, I mean, I, I think I think Trump, and, and here, yeah, the Central Pack 5 is bad, but it's amazing to me that, that his housing policies never took off more about oh, the issues yeah. that came up around that. I mean, I mean, that's, that's, that's blatantly, um, you know, um, racist behavior that, that he engaged in. And I, I but I mean, I, here's the thing for him and his brand, he, it, it worked for him because it's a dog whistle to all these groups out there, whether you're talking, you know, all the militia groups, whether you're talking about three percenters or you're talking about Oath Keepers or all these groups. I mean, it's the dog whistle for them. And then when he had, calls them, they come running, you know, to storm the Capitol and, and you know, try to engage. I mean, they got farther than the British got. <laughs> I, mean, I know, but his- it was at 3%. <laughs> I mean, that's what I, we always, I, I grew up in America where I thought, of course, there are going to be 3% worth of idiots in America, on the left, on the right, everywhere. But it's 30% supporting him, right, in America, and the majority of the Republican Party, and he's convinced them somehow the election was stolen from him. Terrence, I'm frightened. Talk to us as a preacher. Get us through this. You know, I mean, I, I, I work in the voting rights space and the democracy reform space, and I always say I couldn't do the work that I do if I didn't have hope. And so I always maintain maintain hope that it's Dr. King that the moral arc of the universe is long, and because it's long, it's always going to right itself. And so I, I have a great deal of faith that the moral arc will right what's going on now. It may not be in the time that we it may not be as fast as we want, but the old folks in church used to sing a song um, that it used to say, "He may not come when you want him." But he always comes right on time, and so I just have to hold up, hold out hope that my mother and other little old ladies in the church are absolutely right. Now, if I remember my Terrence Carroll history, you might know a little more about Atlanta than Mario or, or I do. Is that true? I'm a proud graduate of Morehouse College, the uh, the nation's only all male HBCU, and and I share Morehouse with the Reverend Doctor Martin Luther King Jr. Is that in Fulton County? It's also in Fulton County, and you know, and and one of my classmates, one of my, well, he was a year ahead of me, um, but we took a lot of classes together. The the Reverend Dr. Raphael Warnock, oh. and I have several friends who were who've been involved in litigation uh, against voter suppression um, down in Georgia recently. Oh my God, you took my breath away because one of the most powerful experiences I've had this year was going back to New York. We're all three columnists. I got to write about Parade, the play, the award-winning play, Ben Platt and what's her name? Felicia Diamond, star in the Leo Frank story out of Fulton County, a terrible uh, miscarriage of justice. A Jewish guy got lynched. And have you been to the play? Because it opens with Raphael Warnock addressing the crowd for about 30 seconds. Oh, no, I have not powerful. been there. Hopefully, I'll make it here to Denver. But you know, oh. the, uh, you know this better than I do, Craig. That the ADL was formed in the aftermath of the killing of Leo Frank. 
Oh, have you ever seen the play parade? It's so powerful. Get the soundtrack. It'll break your heart. And uh, it was just unbelievable, the performance. And it's all set in Atlanta. And it's a, a Jewish guy from Brooklyn who falls in love with a Jewish girl from Georgia. And they get married down there, but he doesn't quite fit in. And then he gets accused when a little girl gets raped and murdered and what a criminal justice thriller it is. But I don't know anything about Atlanta. I do know what it's like to be a chief deputy DA, handle a lot of big cases like Bonnie Willis, aspire to get the job, even run against your boss. Now I lost, but she won. And now all of a sudden she's got this case of the century because he's demanding 11,780 votes in a call to a guy who's in Fulton County. And they're trying to steal the election in Georgia. Bonnie Willis, I love her. And I've started to figure out some of the stuff she did was smart. And people say, oh, she's stupid because she said, my charges are imminent about five months ago. But she can't really talk to Jack Smith. I think I wrote it wrong in one of my columns. She could, but the accusation would be, oh, it's all coordinated. It's all political. It's all Joe Biden down. So they couldn't talk to each other, but she could signal, hey, I'm going to do something, so you better get going if you're going to do it. And then she further signaled it's going to be mid-August, and it surely is this week. Just uh, and, and so Jack Smith did his thing. So I'm in love with Fonnie Willis. Uh, are you, Mario? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to argue on that point, <laughs> Craig, for sure. Tell us what you see, Terrence Carroll, when you see Bonnie Willis. Do you see a strong black woman? I see somebody who can stand up to Donald Trump. And I've read about her background. Her dad was a prominent lawyer, all that. She's going to be famous this week. Have you studied up on her? Do you know this woman or this type of woman? I mean, I grew up around women like her. And you know, as someone said um, recently, that uh, democracy is going to be saved by black women. You know, and and you look at the black voter turnout and voter turnout. You know, in 2020, black women turned out in droves, and and I, and I would argue, and I agree with the people who said it, that they saved democracy in 2020. And I think between. Um, um, the prosecutor in Atlanta and Judge Chukin in Washington, D.C., we may well see that again. And I like Tish James, the New York Attorney General. I and Stacey Abrams, what she did in Georgia saved us. Georgia has saved us. I mean, I don't know much about this state. I've been there a time or two, but it is the most important state in the union right now in a lot of ways, don't you think? Yeah, that's, that's the, the the turnout program that Stacey Abrams and others put together in Georgia, primarily led by black women in Georgia, kept the U.S. Senate in control of the Democratic Party, which uh, has brought some normalcy to Washington, D.C. I mean, it's, to the extent there's ever anything normal in D.C., at least it's created a, a, a hate, I hate, I hate bottlenecks, but in this case, a bottleneck may be good for the country. Yes. Let's turn to Colorado and the Colorado connections to January 6th. Mario, what do you see as the connections there? Well, I mean, we had several people who were there um, and who were who were engaged and who have been convicted since then. Um, I think that's a I think that's a 
huge um, issue, but you know, Colorado is. We've already we've always had a few nuts um, in Colorado, though. Honestly, I mean, I think what you've seen is, um, you know, we do have some folks who are, uh, you know, more recently you've had so many people. Like I was saying before, Donald Trump gives a dog whistle to these folks, and you know, he says, you know, after Charlottesville, there were good people on both sides. Well, what are you talking about? So, I mean, I think you've definitely seen this increase in folks who are willing to rely on political violence. And we have, you know, Colorado's had its fair share of folks from here. Now, that said, we've had some, you know, good people who have fought that uh, from county clerks. I mean, so you, you look at like a Chuck Broerman in Colorado Springs, who was Republican and took a lot of crap, but basically said, hey, look, I'm not, you know, there's no big lie. Or Pam Anderson, who beat Tina Peters, you know, one of the real nut jobs. And Pam Anderson said, you know, there there, there was no election fraud. We, we ran good elections and was the Secretary of State nominee for the Republican Party. So there are plenty of good people. The problem is, um, you know, like you were saying before, you you would hope that the crazies would only be about, you know, single digit, you know, small single digits or a fraction thereof. And I think that we're getting to the point where it's a um, you're, you're having a substantial margin of the population who is a little bit nuts and who supports folks like this. I mean, when you're yes. talking about political violence, I think I think one of the reasons they're able to be more politically violent is because they get so much more support from um, so many ordinary rank and file Republicans at this point. And, which is just and they get a Christmas card from Lauren Bober. I mean, holy cow, the guns, et cetera. But you touched on a big name, Tina Peters, and I connected to the revelations today by CNN that they have the goods on Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani all the way up to that December 18 White House meeting. They're talking about getting into Georgia voting machines, Dominion voting machines. They wanted to get in and reverse engineer it like a Hunter Biden laptop leave some things in that are real, plant some other stuff. That's just the way they'll do you. That's what I think anyway. And then they did the same thing with Tina Peters. Hey, who else will let us have a look so we can claim this or that? Don't you think that's what's going on, Terrence? You know, those revelations are just, you know, breathtaking in a lot of, and in, in not a lot of ways, in every way. Uh, the breathtaking, and you know, it's 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 it just shows you how hypocritical these folks are. They're talking about the big steal and the big lie and so on and so forth, but the only indication of any folks doing anything illegal come, is coming from these folks. I mean, I mean, look at what Tina Peters said, giving away the code to the election machines down in Mesa County, um, trying to reverse engineer, calling folks up, demanding that they find votes, um, planning lawsuits and predominantly black parts of the country to try to throw out black votes um, for Joe Biden in 2020, I mean, which is part of the reason they got the Ku Klux Klan Act um, provision in the indictment for that 45-page indictment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's just mind-boggling. And, and the number of Colorado connections to this, John Eastman and uh, what's her name? Your friend, Craig, Jenna. Uh, Jenna Ellis. Uh, yes. Jenna Ellis. Yes, and a guy I never met, Joe Altman, who intercepted an Antifa call from a guy named Eric, head of Dominion in Denver, and he said that guy promised Trump wouldn't win, and it can sound stupid when I say it right now, but Donald Trump Jr. 
tweeted about it, and then his dad talked about it, and the next thing you know, Eric Coomer got chased out of Denver. So there are a lot of connections. I just did a show with Jason Dunn, and he stood up. He was a Trump appointee to U.S. attorney, and he said, there's no evidence Dominion did anything wrong, but they were trying to plant wrongdoing in Coffee County, Georgia, and Mesa County, Colorado. So... I mean, these guys will cheat to win, and at the same time, they're claiming, oh, you're the cheaters, right? Anyway, Mario had a beautiful column sizing up the Colorado GOP. If we're going to name names, let's talk about Dave Williams. He wanted to go by the moniker Dave, let's go Brandon Williams, but he's popular enough to be elected chairman of the Republican Party, Mario did you see the latest when he went on radio with Randy Corcoran, et cetera, and said, oh, they're you know, the prior administration was stealing. They, they gave bonuses. They, they did this. They didn't ensure a smooth transition. And I'm thinking, whoa, is he accusing Christy Burton Brown and those right-wingers? I think that's what's going on. Isn't that the way it always ends with these radical right? They start pulling knives on each other. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I do want to. I do want to start out by saying I apologize to uh, to Randy Corporate because I think I misspelled his name in my uh, column. And you know, going back and it's an O at the end, so it's basically spelled the exact same as Moron. So I'm just going to remember it that way. Randy Corporon, Randy Moron Corporon. Um, that's going to be the way I'm going to remember spelling it right from now on. So my apologies to him for misspelling his name and i'll just remember he's a moron and i'll get it right I, I, it'd be um, nicer be nicer and uh, i i held off for a couple months if you want to remember if you want to remember hey i know the guy pretty darn well and i'm not arguing i may stipulate in a minute but if you want to remember it's all o's a bunch of O's in Corporon, like Altman, Joe Altman, who is the guy that he fed to George Brockler to put on the radio in mid-November. If you check out the timeline, and I'm about to write about it for my next column, November 14, Rudy meets with Donald Trump in the Oval Office. Later that week, Jen Ellis goes on Dan Kaplan's show saying, stop this deal, send money here, we're going to stop this deal. Joe Altman is taken by Randy Corcoran to George Brockler, Michelle Malkin, Peter Boyles, twice in a row with Peter Boyles, and allowed to tell that story in a way that wasn't challenged. Yeah, I really intercepted a call, Dominion this, and then it took up on Colorado radio. So I'm well aware of the corporate connections. And when they get done with the Sidney Powell, who Randy Corcoran said, she worked out of my office. We worked together on these affidavits. Joe Altman provided an affidavit to Jenna Ellis and Sidney Powell. So once they get done with Trump and conspirators one through six, there's going to be a whole bunch more in Atlanta, but there are going to be others and they're coming. Don't you feel it, Mario? Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I, I can't believe Jenna Ellis has escaped scrutiny through this year, too. I mean, the only thing I can possibly think of is that she just wasn't a good enough lawyer to warrant being in the room when they were talking about <laughs> these, these conspiracies. That she was just, she was just, you know, camera candy that they stuck up behind everybody. 
Um, and that was That's about insulting it. Insulting the like, candy. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Well, she, she's she's anything but sweet, right? So. Um, no, she can um, be sweet. I've gotten along. In fact, we used to talk shit about Trump together in his studio. That was a certain appeal. I wrote. Colorado lawyers should be better than Jenna Ellis. I wrote that in December of 2020, warning her she was going to go to jail. All of this. I used to be friends with her. I got invited to her second wedding. I don't know if it got annulled. I don't want to go into personal background, but now she's a big DeSantis backer, and smart people say, yeah, she gets paid to do that. And wow, what a way to make a living. And you know who... Uh, employs her to put on podcasts, Salem Media. Salem Media still. Beautiful Salem. Right. So, yeah, but but I'm giving you a softball about Dave. Let's go, Brandon Williams. Uh, Terrence, you probably worked with the guy, right? Do you know him? Dave Williams? Yes. Never met him in my life. It was just... Uh, Congratulations. Yes. Mario, you... Oh, yeah, I know Dave. I know Dave pretty well. And in fact, I listened to that uh, when you were talking about Randy having Dave on. And they they spent about two hours, Randy did, with back-to-back Dave Williams and, and Eastman. Um, and they were, they were very upset about my last column. And so they were ripping me up and down, and they were ripping Dick Wadhams up and down. But, I mean, you know, here's, here's the thing is, I mean, Dave Williams – I think he's popular with a very, very, very small segment of the Republican Party. Um, It's the segment that's the activist that's going out and going to central committee meetings. And I mean, I think it's it's, you know, brutal where those folks are sending um, people, you know, sending the party in this day and age because because Dave Williams is not fundraising at all. Um, He's doing a terrible job fundraising. And. You know, I, I listened to that, Craig, because you brought it up and they were talking about raising money. Um, you know, it was, it was so funny because, like, they couldn't keep the story straight. It started the segment by talking about how Dave had been there for, like, it wasn't really new and he'd been there for six months now. But then, you know, then they transitioned, like, 10 minutes later, like, oh, it was ever the reason we don't have money right now is because of all the people before. Well, what have you been doing with the last six months, Dave? Haven't you raised money to get yourself out of it? Have I mean, oh, regardless boy. of what Christy Burton Brown did, isn't your job to raise the money to get you out of it so you can pay staff, so you can pay rent, so you can pay to make sure that that folks, um, you know, are actually doing what they're supposed to be doing for the Republican Party? I mean, uh, it, it, the Republican Party is is. A joke, and I don't, I don't know if they could run a dog catcher um, and win, you know, anywhere that was that was anything less than seventy percent Republican in the district there and win. And they write um, it they all down. Have the ability. They write it all down. They record themselves like Donald Trump, you know, showing off classified documents because Dave Williams, he went on with George Brockler, and he said. Yeah, we've committed on this lawsuit we just filed in federal court to a $250,000 budget for John Eastman and Randy Corcoran. John Eastman, conspirator number two. And then he said, we've paid 50000 so far. And Brockler said, really? And you're not paying staff? Then Dave Williams goes on with Randy Corcoran and he said, 
No, that's wrong. And Randy Corcoran says, yeah, I know it's wrong because we've even had to pay the filing fees. And Dave Williams says, well, don't worry. Your money's coming. We're going to fundraise. Isn't that what he said, Mario? And uh, Yeah, yeah. It's almost like they wanted to, they realized what a position they backed themselves into. So they just start lying. I mean, they're lying at some point in time. Yeah. I don't even know if they know when they're lying anymore. And, and, and corporate, yeah, corporate's getting, corporate's getting sued by Eric Coomer. And that case is moving forward. And poor Randy Corporate's in a state where he can't even get malpractice insurance. We all have to list that when we uh, practice law. You can do it without a net. Most people don't. I never would. But Randy Corporate's doing it. And the Republican Party is hiring him. And it was confirmed, am I right? Corcoran said that the budget would get up to 250 if it goes all the way, right? The trial? Yeah, he tried to he tried to make it off. as Oh, well, this would be years in the making. And if it went all the way and did all this, then it could cost that much. I mean, uh, who knows? I mean, who knows with these guys? You just, you just can't believe anything they say or don't say. Um, I think Randy's trying to fill his pockets too. I mean, I think he, it's more for him about, Hey, look, I want to cash in on some of that Trump money and some of that MAGA world money. Um, just like some of the, just like the Genesis of the world. Well, the um, dude's been to Mar-a-Lago. So to yeah. He's gone to Mar-a-Lago. Just like Jenna. Have you been there, Terrence? No, I've not had an invite to Mar-a-Lago. You know, I, I, I don't think it's, and I don't even think it's on my, you know, my, um, things to do before I die list even. So do you even feel like going to Florida anymore? Cause I don't, you know, you know, the, the, I'm going to follow the NAACP, NAACP on this one and not go to Florida. I'm pretty sure I don't want to be in a state where they think that slavery, um, the enslavement of my people was a jobs program that benefited us like job Corps. So yeah, I'm pretty much avoiding that place. But maybe you could learn the blacksmith skills. Can you believe when DeSantis <laughs> said that? And then he followed that up. When I get elected, I'm going to slit the throats of a lot of government workers. I don't think you can even say that in the NFL anymore. Don't you get tossed out if you make a slit the throat motion? I think Daniel Snyder lost a football team over that. <laughs> Holy cow. What's going on with that GOP? Mario, any defense for the GOP? How long ago did you quit them? Uh, I quit them the day before Donald Trump was inaugurated president. Um, you know, I, I, I had originally quit them when it was down to Trump and uh, um, Trump and Cruz. And I, I re-registered because um, um, they need a Republican for a, for a volunteer position uh, that I wanted to take. Uh, but then after that, I, I went unaffiliated the day before Trump's inauguration. I've never gone back. And I tell a lot of people, I was like, Trump's the one who made me leave. I was like, but the Republican Party is the one who's ensured that I'll never come back. Um, because because they have proven that they are unfixable and that they are, there is no there there is no bright light at the end of the tunnel. The, the bright light at the end of the tunnel is the train coming down it about to barrel over them again. And and I think, you know, it's it's amazing to me that you then Go out and get a guy like a Dave Williams who will only shrink your party. It will only make it smaller. Um, it will it will make it. Uh, I mean, Colorado is already overwhelmingly Democrat um, in, in its representation and all that. And and you've got Dave Williams who's out there trying to make it smaller. 
versus a guy like Shad Marib, who's, who's, who's running, you know, the Democratic side, and he's the Democratic Party chairman, and he has Bobert firmly within his sights. And I think I think they're going to get Bobert this time. I don't I don't think she makes it through. And I mean, what do you do if you're Dave Williams? And not only uh, during his interview, he literally said, "Hey, we're not going to win the majority back." He already ceded that he has no chance of ever winning the majority back. Um, but I, but what do you do if you don't gain any seats and then you lose Lauren Boebert too? I mean, if you're Dave Williams, uh, he'll never admit defeat. But I mean, don't, doesn't everyone else have to be like, "What the hell did you do, Dave? Why didn't we have any money? Why couldn't you get her across the uh, finish line?" And I think you know, you know what they're all banking on a second Trump term, and they'll go to Mar-a-Lago, maybe serve his administration, be persona non grata in Colorado. I did have Dick Wadhams on my show, and I told him to keep fighting. And boy, did he have harsh words that they reacted to. You know, here's my disappointment, and it's pretty profound, that I knew guys like back in the day, Kaplan Silverman, if this guy would have come on our show with some of this crap, I would have belittled him, and I think I would have made the public understand that there used to just be out-of-bounds people and out-of-bounds actions, but there aren't anymore. And when they turn to a no, George... sadly. Yeah, well, you did. But it's like the defenses of Donald Trump to, what, 80 counts? And yet you turn to lawyers on air, respected, smart lawyers like George Brockler or Dan Kaplan's. Hey, what do these guys think? Well, they're nice to Dave Williams, so how bad can he be? And they think Trump has defenses. And I heard Kaplan say that Fonnie Willis is a political operative. He's been saying that for a long time. So I don't trust anything this damn Democrat's going to bring. So I just am so disappointed in these guys because if they stood up and said, hey, wait a second, look at the facts here. This isn't Republican or Democrat. Come on now. Terrence, I feel so disappointed. It makes me feel better. Uh, I wish I, I mean, I wish I did have some words um, to make you feel immediately better, but yeah, I just don't. Um, but I do think, and I, I do hope that the federal judiciary, that the Supreme Court grants permission for the Trump January 6th trial, wherever it is, more than likely in D.C., um, to be televised, is I think people need to see this for themselves and see um, the witnesses and see the and see all the the evidence be brought before a jury so they can have an understanding of what was said and done. I mean, there's a group of people who are never going to believe anything about related to January 6th that Trump did anything wrong. But I still think there's a majority of Americans um, who do who who are persuadable, who do understand that he's a, a real living, walking, talking threat. Um, to mock to democracy, and the one thing that we have um, that they didn't have in Nazi Germany with the rise of Hitler, and I'm and I'm no way comparing, you know, Donald Trump to Hitler, but I'm I'm saying those that we should be students of history and understand and understand parallels, um, historical parallels, and we have historical parallels here. And Hitler came to power using the tools of the of the German democratic state, um, and we have to be aware of that. One advantage that we have here now is that unlike Germany pre-Hitler, we're a much more multicultural and diverse society. Um, and we're becoming a more, and I read somewhere that Gen Z is the last majority white um, demographic 
last majority white generation and that gen a which is already on the ground running already um is majority non-white and i think that's part of what's driving some of this when you listen to um, um nick fuentes and charlie kirk kirk i mean these incel dudes i mean they're they're whining that we're not having enough white babies and that and that's driving part of this ridiculous ethno-nationalism guised in christianity that we're seeing yes and there's beautiful Christianity in there somewhere, but this white Christian nationalism is very scary. And to see friends embrace it, and MAGA uses it, Donald Trump needs to be held accountable. Part of that persuasion machine is something like we just put on, fellas. Thanks for being part of my initial show. We will compete in the battle of ideas, and hopefully people will listen and come to our senses like we did 100 years ago in Colorado, right? I hope you... Absolutely. You know what I mean? We went through a spasm with the Klan. Let's get through it, and let's talk it out. Thank you, Mario. Thank you, Terrence. Much appreciated. Thanks, Craig. Take care. Thank you, Craig. Bye-bye. Always a pleasure to be on. Welcome to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. Gosh, I think this guy has the record for most appearances in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge, and that might be because he's my lawyer, Michael Bailey. Thanks for coming back on. Hey, thanks for having me, Craig. You are the busiest lawyer I know, and I know busy lawyers. Tell everybody about your practice and how it's going. So practice is doing really well. Um, I am... And just for whatever reason, estate planning has kind of taken off for me. I think it might be a combination of COVID and post-COVID things and people understanding that they're not going to live forever. But um, I've been able to have lots of people who I can help. I'm booking about six weeks out um, now. So that means that my schedule between now and six weeks from now is completely full. So... If you need something emergency, you know, done tomorrow, it probably can't help you. But if you're like most of my clients and you're planning ahead, then I'm excited to be able to help you. And even if it takes a couple of weeks to get you in, to get your will or your trust done, I'm just so excited that I can help as many people as I can as quickly as I can. And people can get on your schedule one of a couple of ways. They could probably uh, go to your website. What's the website, Michael? It is mobileestateplanning.com. What's the best phone number to call? 720-394-6887 is my direct line. I think you pioneered this mobile estate planning, and lots of lawyers are doing it now. It's, it's convenient for the client. You can go to them, and part of the time you're out there with me in the DTC and boy, are your clients happy, satisfied. Of course, I'm there to tell them he's the best lawyer I know because he's my lawyer. He's Michael Bailey. Well, I appreciate that. But it certainly is fun to be able to go and visit people where they are. I find that, you know, so I live up in Thornton and my main mailing address is in Broomfield. But I wouldn't want to make somebody who lives in Highlands Ranch 
drive an hour across I-25 and all across the city to come visit me. I'm like, hey, I'll go visit you where you are, whether it's at your house or at one of the offices, just to make it more convenient for you. And then it's more fun for me because I get to go out and about and meet people all over the place and help them out. Right. And there are probably three or four people in Highlands Ranch that you can accommodate one after the other. I know how good you are. And part of it is you are (laughs) affordable. You are trustworthy. That's what people look for in a lawyer. And I have to tell you that I'm super appreciative of you sponsoring uh, the new Craig's Colorado Corner show when it's going to be a little different. You've been the biggest Mm -hmm. supporter of my show. And I really appreciate it because one, you are busy, two, you are talented, and three, you uh, get your exercise in a way that I admire, which is repping basketball and being a father as well. But I want to talk to you about that basketball refereeing a bit more, if you can. Sure. What would you like to know? I'd like to know how you decide when somebody is going to be ejected. When do you give a technical? When do you give a warning? And of course, what's on my mind is a judge, Tanya Chutnik, USA v. uh Trump. She has the power. When you put on that black and white shirt and that whistle in your mouth, you have the power. Am I right? It's true. So one of the things that I try to do as an official is I want to keep the game fair for both sides because the rules as written are supposed to be, we're going to enforce the rules so it's fair for both sides. And so we don't want to favor one side over the other. So if somebody is going to question my keeping the rules fair, that tends to be when we run into technical fouls, ejections, etc. So if I have a player or a coach who wants to question a call and say, oh, well, you know, I don't think that's what happened. Hey, I'm more than happy to explain it to you because you're you're the participants in the game. I'm just kind of there to enforce the rules. I'm not the show. You're the show. And I get that. So I try very hard to keep people in the game. Even coaches who are kind of you know, nuts and don't want to be around, um, you know, I try very hard to keep them in. But when they decide to question if, if they're questioning a call that they don't understand, I'll explain it to them. If they decide to, once they got an explanation, that they decide to tell me why I'm wrong, or they want to continue a discussion after we've already had it, or they question the integ- my integrity, then that's when we go to technical file and um, ejections. You know, if they so, so if once somebody's done something that warrants a penalty and then they will persist in that penalty and not accept the explanation or the decision of me or my partners as a referee, that's when people tend to get ejected. And then they or they get really outside of the normal decorum of sportsmanship. So uh, you know if I have a I had a couple, you know, a couple years ago I had a call where my partner made an offensive foul call. And using a curse word, Coach Wright was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Except for he used some colorful metaphors, shall we say. We all know those words. They right. have four letters. Don't want to say them on the radio. <laughs> um, so I had to turn around and give him a technical foul. 
And after after the game, he decided that he was going to, you know, come and let me know his displeasure. This is, you know, after the game has ended, I've taken a shower, I'm leaving, and he's coming after me again. Well, I'm pretty sure he got suspended for that <laughs> because it was way past everything that happened. And I'm like, you're out of line, dude. You are completely outside of the rules here. This is a personal attack. That's not okay. We can't do that. God, that's beautiful. And I think the metaphor is apt. And some people would say, well, it's high school basketball. You're comparing it to the biggest court case in American history. But I'll tell you what. For me, it's the for you, <laughs> no, but but really, it's a big deal—a high school game. Am I right? A high school varsity basketball game is a big deal. You also do the playoffs, and you know what? A lot of—it's big for the the player. It's big for the parent, and God forbid a player gets ejected. That's something they'll probably remember their whole life. Am I right? Probably yes. And the thing is that, I mean. So, I mean, I, you and I both played high school basketball when you were playing. Wasn't it kind of like it was, it wasn't necessarily life and death, but it felt like it to you. Didn't it? You know who one of my (laughs) reps was Ben Dreith, Ben Dreith, who is from Colorado. In fact, up North Mm -hmm. around where you live, Ben Dreith, he repped high school basketball while he did an NFL referee and he appeared in Super Bowl. One of the greatest NFL reps ever. So, yeah, Ben Dreith, but you know, he made some bad calls against me, and I, I'd question him a little, but you have to know the lines. Now, the thing about Michael as a lawyer is he tries to create the greatest contracts, language, trusts, wills, etc., so you never have to go to court. But he knows enough right. about court that you don't argue with the judge except in an appropriate fashion. Am I right, Michael? Right. There's a way to do it. And there's a way to not do it. And there's a time and a place. And if you're, you know, if the judge is asking you for your side or what you want to do, you know, or how you would interpret something, then you can tell them. But then when the judge makes their decision, then it's done because the judge has made their decision. I mean, sure, you can in legal things, you can appeal to a higher court, but you know, there's not necessarily a higher court in high school basketball, you know, in an NBA. Now, apparently you can on a limited basis appeal to the replay center, but we don't have the number of cameras or the budget to have a replay center in high school basketball. Right. But once the judge has made a decision, you don't get to be like, well, no judge, I think you're wrong because yada, yada, yada. The judge is like, well, I really don't care what you think. I made my ruling. Thanks for asking. You, you can't persist past the point that is the appropriate level. Right, and you have the perfect goal in mind, and this is what Tanya Chutkin said in court on Friday, according to the reports. She said, like, Michael Bailey has to make sure it's a fair game for both sides. He wants the best team to win, according to the rules. He has to administer a fair game. The judge has to administer a fair courtroom, so she can't allow things that will disturb that, like, People running on the floor, right? I mean, have you ever had that happen in a game? What do you do then? Uh, usually, blow your whistle and stop the game until they're removed. Yes. Actually, several years several years ago, I was working a playoff game, and my wife had kids and come to watch me because I was up at Clear Creek High School. So I'm like, well, the game's at four. We'll be done by six. 
and we can go to like the Ameristar Casino, and we could go through the the buffet and have a buffet dinner. So that's what, what we're going to do. What a dad! What a great guy! But my but my my son, who is now eleven, I think he was like three at the time, and my wife was talking to somebody. And he saw dad on the court because I was refereeing. So he came out to say hi. So as I was running on the court, I was, we were in transition from a free throw going the other direction. And he came out a couple steps in the court. So I picked him up and I turned and I put him back on the bleachers and I said, stay here, dude. And I kept running and refereed the game. So, you know. <laughs> can I, can I but, tell uh, a little bit of a similar story? I'm playing for Colorado College. We're in the sure. Shadron tournament. Okay. That's. Shadron uh, State uh-huh. up in Shadron, Nebraska, and we didn't even have a hotel. They put us up in a dorm room, and it was eight teams, mm-hmm. so we were kind of the sacrificial lambs to Black Hills State right. in the first round. And we got beat, and the guy held me down bad, and then I didn't feel like going out. We had a game the next morning against Colorado School of Mines, but all my teammates did. And I know they went to Herman the Germans and drank red beers until they were polluted. And they knew I wouldn't mm-hmm. like that because I took it seriously. So I'm sitting there watching the end of the first round about 8 o'clock at night when my point guard, yeah, it's Terry Brennan with red hair, he walks in with Tim Timkovich, who's chief judge of the 10th Circuit now. Mm-hmm. So they're coming in and they're trying to act like they haven't been drinking. At least Terry Brennan did. And he sees me, waves to me, and he starts walking over to just act like, uh, let's talk about the game tomorrow morning. Except the game was going on. He was walking right through the game. The refs had to blow the whistle. <laughs> and it's like, you're drunk. You smell like beer. <laughs> Our game was at 9 the next morning. I showed up about 8.15. I I warmed up with the Mines players, and we almost won when my team showed up about 5 to 9. I think my coach went drinking, too. We lost by one point, (laughs) but that's another story. But anyway, back to basketball. The one thing you can't have in basketball, you just can't allow violence. Am I right? Intentional violence. That's football. No, I'm right. (laughs) <laughs> well, football is a collision sport. Basketball is a contact sport. But you have seen violence, and how do you react to that? Uh, Let's start with vi- violent language. Is that allowed? So violent language, no. You know, there's sportsmanship rules. I mean, so you know, you play the game, play the best you can, but you don't need to taunt your opponent, and you don't need to be threatening or anything like that. So I've had players who, you know, make a great move and hit a layup and turn around and tell the opponent how they're so in such an incompetent buffoon at, um, you know, defense. And that's why this will be the way that it's supposed to be. And, you know, I, you hear it and I will call a technical foul and be like, nope, we're not doing that this game. You're language is now cost your team two points in the ball or, you know, two free throws in the ball. And, you know, the poor players like, oh, was just, like, no, you weren't just doing this. I, I know the difference between taunting and, Hey, you know, I just made a great play. Get you next time type of thing. What if somebody gets um, racial? What if they say, take that white boy or the reverse or makes a reference to you in, in a racial way? Is, is that allowed? No. 
Uh, that, that's I don't a, think that's so. a very that's a very quick technical foul too. I actually once had a female partner where um, two players were like, "Oh yes, that uh, that referee is such a uh, start the word, word. That, you know didn't know it's a female dog." Oh, and I was like, yes. "Whack!" Right there. And they're like, "Well, we were talking about you." I'm like, "Yeah, you're talking to my partner. That's the same. Don't even try. Don't even think about it. You can be respectful in your language. Let's go." You know, that's interesting because I wonder if judges like Judge Chutkin feels inclined to protect other judges who are being attacked. So, you know, most judges... I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know either. Or if it's outside, uh, obviously Trump's going to test all these things, just like you get tested by certain coaches. But the one thing you can't do, I mean, if a coach stirs up a, a racial, violent taunt against the rep. I mean, how would you react to that? If the coach were stirring it up? Yes. Uh, they would They would get to go back to the locker room for the rest of the game, and then they could. They would likely be suspended for however long the um, high school activity right. association be- means appropriate. Because, because that's, there, there's no place for that. Right, we're trying to have a fair game here. We're just trying to yeah, count just, up that score at the it, end. It, just trying to play basketball. <laughs> do you ever basketball get into do. yeah? Do you ever get into big scoring disputes? A coach says, "Hey, you're not keeping our score right." Well, so scorekeeper is a different um, different role, right? But ultimately, you have to make the call, right? As the head rep, or does the scorekeeper? So there's there's a the home the home team provides a scorekeeper, and the home book is the official book. So we rely upon them. But if there's a discrepancy between the home book and the visitor's book, we try to figure those out. Or every once in a while, somebody will be like, oh, that, you know, they only put two points up and you call it a three pointer. And so we'll go back and, and we'll try it. We'll, we'll, as we're going through the game, we'll make sure that so like at the end of each quarter, we'll double check the score to make sure that the books agree and that everything's correct so that you don't get to the end of the game. And, oh, my gosh, we're off by five points one way or the other. I'm like, no, I mean. Everybody seems to watch the scoreboard, and they're they're right. pretty quick to let us know if something didn't get counted right. <laughs> now there have to be times when you are contemplating a technical, but you don't blow it. And mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering if, say, a guy goes in awkwardly and kind of blows a layup, and the, the coach uh, maybe there's some incidental contact, no foul call, and the coach says, "What the heck." And maybe he's talking about maybe he's talking about his own player, or maybe he's talking about right. you. And I mean, you ha, you have to figure who it seemed directed at, or what, did he say heck as opposed to hell? It's a judgment call, right? Right. And you know, I err on the side of hey, I want to keep you in this game. So if I have a player like that, and it's like, oh, you know, he got you know knocked down, and this and that, whatever, and I'm like, and I'll be. I'll just kind of walk over and be like, okay, what did you see? Well, my player's laying there. Obviously, he got knocked down. I'm like, did you see him get knocked down? Well, no. Well, neither did I. Had I seen that, I would have protected your player. It was a, you know, kind of just a, a mess. There's a whole bunch of bodies I'm looking through to see what I can see, but I didn't see any illegal contact, and I'm not going to make stuff up, either for you or against you, coach, unless you really want me to. And usually at that point, they'll laugh. Because they get the ridiculousness of what they're saying. And so, you know, I try to go and diffuse a situation before somebody gets so upset that they, you know, start 
crossing lines and getting themselves. And did you hear so Tanya Chudkin? Tanya Chudkin, the judge in USA v. Trump, mm-hmm. she got some laughs in the courtroom the other day. John Loro told her she made a great point. He hit the nail right, hit the hammer right on the nail, and she said, "That may yes, be yes, the last time it. you say that." And everybody laughed. She right. she said well, it better than me, but but. He, Good sense of humor can diffuse the situation, right? Well, yes, and and there's a there's an art to it. There's a way to do it and a time to do it. I mean, I think that's probably why Reagan was one of my favorite presidents. Mm, yes, he had a way with humor. You know, I mean, when the the press was starting to make um, age an issue because he was the oldest president at that point, and you know, in a debate, the moderator said, "Oh, you know, there's been." you know, concerned about your age and, you know, and Reagan's response is, I'm not going to make an age, I'm not going to make age an issue in this. I'm not going to, I won't for a moment exploit my opponent's youth and inexperience. And even Mondale just is dying laughing on the stage. I'm like, that's the great response because what he's saying is, hey, we're not doing this. We're not going there. But you're funny about it instead of like, no, I am not old. Don't be, (laughs) I mean, if you use humor properly, and when it's appropriate, you can diffuse a lot of tense situations so that it's not scary and doesn't have to be a terrible, horrible thing. Absolutely. What complete opposite temperaments Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump seem to have. But I once interviewed Roger Stone, and he told me about the introduction of Roy Cohn and Donald Trump at Reagan headquarters in New York City. I did that interview on 1231.15, played it not long ago, sponsored by Michael Bailey. So it's just fascinating. Mm -hmm. But I loved what you said about your attitude because I think it's exactly what Judge Tanya Chutkin is trying to do. She's going to err on the side of keeping Trump out of jail, right? She doesn't want to put him in jail. Just like you don't want to throw a high school coach out of a game. No, I mean, if it needs to happen, I will do it. But if I can keep you in that game, I mean, I. so I think of years ago, so I, I still do basketball. I used to do baseball. And I had a coach once who he really was, he just couldn't fathom that his team was playing so poorly. They were down like 30 to two. And he was coming out and he's yelling at me. And, you know, and I, I, I got him to pause and I said, hey, coach, you know, hold on just a second here, coach. I understand you're upset. I understand that you don't enjoy being in this game. But if I have to be here, you have to be here. So you can sit here and take your beating and you can stop yelling at me and we'll part ways as friends. Does that sound fair? Let's go. <laughs> Because I'm like, I didn't want to be there anymore. Uh, yes. like, and neither do I, but let's just get this game before we'll be good. How about coaching a little better? How about getting a white towel <laughs> and waving it from the dugout? <laughs> well, you know, I'm not supposed to tell them how to coach. I don't want them to tell me how to referee. So couldn't quite do that. But I'm like, yeah, if I have to be here, you have to be here. You can sit here and take your beating. We're in the third inning. It's The rule is 10 after four. So we only have to get five more outs, then we can all go home. So let's just get it over and done with. (laughs) Wow. You know, everybody wants to live a good long life. But uh, just to turn a little serious, what happened in Maui out of nowhere, people of all stratas dying without any warning. And I bet a lot of them had no plans for what happened next. 
I mean, and now their loved ones not only have, have to come in, try to find mom and dad, but figure out, okay, they had a bank account where, here, what, and, and who gets what? Oh, if you die in test state, then I guess the state of Hawaii will decide what will happen, right? Yes, they, they're nice enough to have written a statute of what will happen, just like Colorado was nice enough to write a statute of what will happen. And, you know, Colorado's, if you print it out, it's 87 pages long and, you know, very simple language to understand because, you know, statutes are known for being straightforward and very easy to read and understand. And you never need a court to interpret them, except for none of that's true. It can be difficult. So, so much better if you do your own estate plan and write it down so it's clear, straightforward what's going to happen. I have enough reading to do, enough statutes. I don't want that extra 87 pages. That's why Trish and I hired you, and we've never regretted it. I think it's been about 15 (laughs) years now. It's wonderful. It gives us peace of mind. Yep. Well, and and most people don't want to read all the statutes that I have. I mean, you know, some of the more complex trusts and the asset protection trusts and the Medicaid planning trusts. We're taking, you know, thousands of pages of statutes and regulations and, you know, using them all to the advantage of our client. I didn't want to read them. You don't want to read them. You know, people who I'm doing the work for, they really don't want to read them. So you you let me, who I've already gone through and read them and figured out how to make them work for you, make the plan work for you. Because sometimes people think of the law as, oh, you know, you break the law and they're going to they're going to come get you or, you know, they're going to give you a ticket or they're going to take you to jail. And I'm like, well, let's make the law work for us as opposed to against us. That's what I try to do. And you try to make the paperwork work forever. But God forbid a new party takes power, the legislation gets changed. It's good to know you're watching out. And I would get a call. (laughs) Hey, Craig and Trish, you might want to do this now. Let's change the paperwork. I can all jokingly refer to the Colorado State Legislature as the Lawyers Employment Assurance Program. As soon as we get all the rules figured out, they'll switch them up on us. So we have to do things a little bit different. I know, but that keeps you so busy. Six weeks out. Yep. How do people get a hold of you to get that uh, appointment seven weeks from now? So they can call me directly at 720-394-6887. Or they can uh, go online to mobileestateplanning.com, and there's a link there that says book. Either way is fine. A lot of people call me, hey, who's that lawyer again? Yeah, it's Michael Bailey. Do you really use them? Yes, I do. You can email me. You can call me. I'll tell you the truth about Michael Bailey. Now, Michael, (laughs) this new show, Craig's Colorado Corner, I'm going to have panelists, and I'm going to be kind of like a rep. So any advice? I mean, they get to go first, and then I get the final say. But everybody knows what I think. I want to get smart people talking about this case of the century. Thanks for being a part of it. What are your thoughts? So my thoughts are that, uh, I mean, so you know, as far as being the panel kind of moderator is you let people talk, but set the ground rules very quickly of we're going to be professional in our decorum here we don't need to scream we don't need to shout we don't need to you know do all of the things that i mean frankly they destroy your own credibility but 
you know, let, let people have their say. And let me interrupt. And then, let me interrupt. We don't interrupt. Sure. That's the other rule. We don't interrupt. So a little that's fair. play right there. But the, that's a big part of it. The plan is to let people talk unencumbered about 30 seconds, have the other guy respond. Then maybe we'll have a right. little rumble, a free-for-all after that, a loose ball. Well, that, that's half the fun is the, the back and forth and the, well, hey, I don't think this and I don't think this. And if it's done in a respectful manner, I mean, that's that's what makes life enjoyable, isn't it? That we can all have slightly different opinions. I mean, you know, I look at Donald Trump and all of the things and the, you know, what is he facing and what did he say or not say and what is covered or not covered by freedom of speech um, principles I mean, Trump seems to think that he can say anything and that it's all covered by freedom of speech. I'm like, well, you might want to brush up on your freedom of speech rules to see what is or is not available. And then there's the practicality aspect of things. Um, You know, you and I have you worked in the criminal arena a lot longer and a lot more than I have. But with the charges that he's facing, I'm like, he wants to be so defensive about everything and everything is a you know an attack on him and it's like well look at what you're facing look at the criminal charges you're facing you know the courts and you were not in you know colonial times where they want to put you in a stock and you know then put a couple nails in your ear so that you can rip them out and then you're free to go that's not how we do things now and you you might be a little bit better served to sit down and talk about plea deals and plea negotiations and what happens if I, you know, if, if we were to, how can we resolve this? I mean, you as a prosecutor, I'm sure you had plenty of discussions and possibilities with people talking about um, negotiating plea deals so that they'd plead guilty to something, but then the punishment could be figured out instead of, oh, nope, you're going to plead to this and we're going to send you to jail for 10 years. You're like, well, maybe if we plead to a lesser charge and you go to jail for a month and then you do community service and probation, all of those type of things, I think there's a little bit of a practicality aspect that I've never thought Donald Trump was particularly great at the practical aspects of things. Even when he got elected, he didn't quite know how to govern because he was still running. And I'm like, well, you won. Now you got to govern, dude. Well, I don't know how to do that. I only know how to run and attack people. Well, maybe you got to figure it out. But he doesn't seem to have grasped that concept yet. <laughs> you said so many smart things there. I'm glad I didn't interrupt. And the goal of this <laughs> show is to get diverse voices. And honestly, if lawyers are ethical, Mm-hmm. And perform by the rules, just like you can get a great basketball game that yields, wow, this guy can really play. He's the truth. In right. the right adversarial process, the truth emerges with a good rep, a good judge, and it's a beautiful thing. Now, if somebody just wants to obstruct the game, we cannot allow that. Now, my game, Craig's Colorado Corner, I want to get people bringing up the defenses. I don't think there are free speech defenses, but I'm open to it. I don't know all the law in that field. And if a smart lawyer wants to argue that, I want them on my show. But I don't want any propaganda, right? I don't want any ridiculous statements or people who have demonstrated that they are 
just not capable of playing fairly. I, I bet there are coaches right. who eventually just couldn't coach high school anymore because they couldn't control themselves. Am I right? That's true. Well, and I see a lot of coaches who are coaching like lower level teams, like freshman or sophomore or JV teams. And I'm like, you know, I'd like to think that you're going to be a varsity level coach in a few years here, but you don't know how to talk to people and you don't know how to do this the right way. So even if you make it to this level, you're not going to be in a lot of games and that's not going to sit well with administration. So you got to learn how to, to be an effective coach or to be an effective attorney, you have to learn how to play the game within the rules. Right. And you have to, and if you're coaching a guy like that, and I'm envisioning that coach, and I played a lot of hoop, I'd say, listen, you have to manage your emotions. You can't use mm -hmm. that kind of profanity. You can definitely never raise your hand at anybody, a player or a referee. Mm -hmm. And if you strike anybody, then you can't do that. And if you hit somebody and you hurt them bad, well, well, then we're going to have to call the police, right? I bet you've even seen that. Have right. you? Or the well, police I mean, have to get I, called? I, um, I've only... I've never seen actually it. had the police have to... I've I, seen I had, not in, and stuff, yeah. I, I've seen it not in my games. Um, you know, I've been fortunate enough not with that. Right, but what but would like, you do if, 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 uh, if uh, a coach actually punched your fellow referee? What would you do? Well, I would step in and defend him. Right. And uh, then I certainly would have the police become involved, yes. And what if he stirred up the crowd and and prompted a mob attack on the referees? I mean, there are just some oh, things then, that are so out we'd, of bounds. Then, then we'd call the game and we'd all be out of there. <laughs> right. And, uh, and, just, uh, and uh, again, play within the rules. <laughs> but you got to be brave. You got to come back after it's all calmed down around midnight or two in the morning to get the game done like they did in Congress. I mean, that's the charge that he wanted to obstruct the game because he knew he was going to lose. And holy right. cow, it's, it's kind of like junior high stuff, really, when you think about it. But isn't it a sad reality that sometimes the best training we ever had for the professional world was junior high? Because that's about as mature as most people act. Right. How old are your kids now? I have a 17-year-old, a 14-year-old, and an 11-year-old. And so I will have a senior in high school, oh, a freshman boy. in high school, and a middle schooler. Do you remember when one of them was five and testing you all the time to see their limitations? Yep. Yep. I think we had one who maybe threw ketchup on the wall. Okay, you can't do that, right? right. And, and the, the ketchup throwing. Right. And so, what do you do? You have to have progressive discipline, right? And mm -hmm. and and various parents can disagree about things, but I mean, if you have it on video, and where like ninety-eight percent of all parents say, "Oh yeah, he needs to go in timeout," you know what I mean? I think that's what Judge right. Chudkin has to do, because if Trump throws enough ketchup, eventually people will say, well, I'd put that kid in timeout, right? I don't right. know. Right. I just, I don't know how it's going to play out. You tell me. I, you know, I don't know either, but you would think that. Uh, We're recording this on um, a Sunday afternoon, not to interrupt, but I, I love to have a current podcast he put out another truth social post attacking Bonnie Willis, saying he has great mm -hmm. evidence to put before this grand jury. And he also said 
that Biden's DOJ is in charge of all of it, which Chutkin says don't attack the prosecution, which is DOJ in a way. Now, I think she'll right. let that go, just like you're going to let some stuff go as a rep, but it's a little mark. And it's when he starts attacking witnesses, right, or intimidating right. attention. Right. At that point, to protect the fairness of the game, she might have to accelerate this trial, right? Right. Well, and you protect the integrity of the process. You're like, yes. You can say, oh, you know, I have evidence to present. Then present your evidence in court the way you're supposed to. Because true social or whatever post you make is not – you and I both know you can say what you want on a social media platform. There are rules of evidence, ways to provide things, ways to present things in court that need to be presented the proper way. So if you have this evidence presented in the proper way – and let the process play itself out. The legal process doesn't really care what your social media posts say. You know, okay, they can be used against you, so to speak. Yes, but they will be used against pre them. Pre pre present your evidence the proper way, and then let the chips fall where they may. If you're trying to, and I, I think judge the judge said, you know, we're gonna that the uh, we're not going to try this case the way that you would an election. Um, she said, she said, we're not going to have a carnival, right? Which I thought right. was great because Trump's a carnival barker. What's he supposed to do, Your Honor? He's a carnival barker. And you're saying no carnival? That's against his rights. <laughs> no, we're saying this is a courtroom, not a carnival. And that's fully 100% appropriate because it's a courtroom, not a carnival. Right, and, and it's not a political race. She was so smart to say that, too. Look, I'm not going to factor in politics. That's not my job. Right. Well, and, and that's the thing is that, you know, Trump wants to somehow make this a political race. And I'm like, but it's a court proceeding, not a political race. You may be thinking you're running for office, Mr. Trump, but you need to do this courtroom thing you know, time and place, courtroom, do courtroom things. You know, you want to run for office, run for office. But you can't run for office inside of a courtroom and somehow think that that's how it's going to, it's supposed to work and supposed to play out. I mean, you have a better defense. You already stated it. God forbid you ever got charged with anything. I would represent you, Michael. Don't do anything bad, but <laughs> say you're falsely accused. Oh. We could go into court and say, your Honor, here's his calendar. He's fully booked for the next six weeks, and the six weeks after that, he can't possibly come to a trial. You know, it's like Trump really right, doesn't right. have a job like you. Right. Not Well, certainly not the same level, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he's got more assets and income than I do, so he's probably okay. But still. <laughs> Have you ever contemplated the estate planning by Donald Trump, if you were that lawyer? And I bet he calls that guy every other day. Okay, take Eric out of the will. No, put him back in, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Do people do that with you? Do people say, hey, you know, I had sometimes. a fight with the kid. Oh, what a call that's got to be. Yeah, sometimes they do. And a lot of times part of my job is to say, okay, Hold on. I know we're mad at them right now, but was the fight really bad enough that we need to take that drastic step? You know, because we all have fights with our friends. We have fights with our families, you know, not necessarily like full on physical fights, but, you know, disagreements right. and things like that. But, you know, if if your uh, child told you that they believe that you are Stalin, Hitler, Mao and Beelzebub himself all rolled into one 
and that we believe that that's who you are and they never want to speak to you again. Okay, we can have that conversation about how that might be an okay time to remove them. If you say, oh, well, you know, I just got mad at them because they didn't come to my birthday party. I'm like, well, how long is it going to take you to get over that? A week or two? Cool. Call me in a week or two. See if you still feel like we need to get rid of them. <laughs> because there's degrees and levels and all of those things. Gosh, that's why you are a great lawyer. I'm glad I've never made that call to you. But if I do now, I know what to expect. Michael, you are a pro. How many like, well, let's, years? Let's, yeah, go ahead. I'm like, let's just have a, let's have a, more kind of reasonable conversation than a reactionary conversation here. Sorry, what were you saying? How many no, years have I, I been doing yes, this? Yes, how many years? Uh, so I have been on my own in estate planning for just about 13 years now, and I've been doing it for the 16, almost 17 years that I've been licensed as an attorney. Yeah, I, I don't want to put jobs yeah. that I did. I, I know you did, and we met in the Denver DA's office way back when, yep. right? Yep. So, but, but my point is this, and tell me if you disagree. It's kind of true in sports too, basketball, baseball, the sports we love. Football might have a more limited window, but <laughs> if you can survive a decade in your field, like I felt after 10 years as a prosecutor, I was badass. And now you have over 10 years in doing this, you are badass. And Tanya Chutkin, she was a public defender on a high level, and then she worked for a big law firm for a while, and she got appointed to the bench, confirmed 95 nothing, and she's been doing it over 10 years now, about the same amount of time you've been doing it. She's in her prime, and boy, she better be. God, isn't that a challenge for, for this judge? I, I would think it would be a huge challenge. I mean, you know, you see some of the... Um, some of the high-profiled cases that are out there. Um, the think of the the O.J. Simpson case and Judge Larry Ito. Who now Lance who Lance Ito Lance, Lance Ito. Ito. Sorry, that's all right. So Lance Ito. I'm like, who knew who Lance Ito was prior to that case? Nobody. But suddenly he's there on TV absolutely every day, and some people loved him. Some people didn't think he was up to the task. But this is going to have the level of scrutiny that I don't think that Judge Chutney has ever really uh, faced. And it'll be interesting to see because some of the people who support Trump don't understand that there are rules of decorum and, you know, will send the threatening letters and, you know, things like that. And you're like, that's completely not something you need to be doing, guys. As a matter of fact, it's hurting what you're trying to accomplish here. You're making the point of you know, what he's been charged with. So let the process play itself out. And, you know, you, we have to, I mean, one of the bedrock foundations of American democracy and, you know, our social institutions and the justice system is that we let it play out in a dispassionate way. And we have to do that to have a functioning society, to have it work properly. Absolutely. Tanya Chutkin, when she went to the courthouse cafeteria the other day, was accompanied by three U.S. Marshals. That's not normal, mm -hmm. even with her, within her own building. You know who's paying for right. those Marshals? We are. Jack Smith needs yep. boatloads, so does his family, because the threat right. is out there. And that's just the one thing that can never happen at a basketball game or a courtroom setting. You cannot put a specter of violence over it. It ruins everything, nope. right? It does. My uh, my last 
basketball game that I, the regular season game that I officiated this year. After the game was over and we'd all gotten showered and we were walking out, there was a parent who followed us to the car, you know, upset about something that happened in the game. And I'm like, really? You waited 45 minutes to yell at us about what happened in the game? We're not going to go back and change anything. Not sure why you're doing this, but thanks for making it an unpleasant walk to our car. (laughs) Right. And God forbid weapons. Uh, get involved. They weren't in your situation, but you can see how things escalate because Mm -hmm. the stakes really are so high. And that's why I'm drawn to work on the weekend and put out a smart podcast. I'm a little ashamed of our profession, Michael, with all these lawyers, uh, apparently conspirators in USA v. Trump. It's not a good look for our legal world. Do you agree? I, I do. But just remember, Craig, it's the 98% of lawyers that they give to the other 2% of us at that <laughs> Oh, now we're starting <laughs> with lawyer jokes, huh? That's right. Uh, well, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's just silly. You know, I mean, lawyers don't exactly have the greatest reputation in the world. We're, you know, slightly more trusted than used car salesmen, sort of. But, you know, the, the concept that a lawyer will say or do anything to win a case is kind of sad, actually, because most of us are trying to do what's right and, you know, just help clients and, you know, protect their legal rights. But when you get so far ingrained in one political philosophy, it can kind of compromise your judgment. And then you start to believe lots of things that just don't seem to be true. And the one thing you can't do, at least let me advise you as a senior lawyer, Michael, and we just established I'll be your criminal lawyer, don't ever dicker with the documents, right? Could you imagine submitting an alternate uh, a will and trust of John Doe, my client? Holy cow, that you can't would... do that. No, no. I mean, I work very hard with my clients to make sure they're signed, witnessed, notarized properly. And then they don't get changed unless they get changed the correct way. Right. And if your boss, one, you know, I always say I don't have a boss. I have about 50 of them, my clients. But if your client (laughs) says, hey, I need you to change that five to a six, you can't do it. Right. Unless you do it the proper way and get it and you can amend something and then you get it signed off and you have them sign off on it. I just... I mean, I have clients all the time who are like, oh, well, I need you to just change this. I'm like, I can't just change something for you. I can write the change and then you need to sign off on it because ultimately it's your decision, not mine. You know, the the old adage of lawyers advise, clients decide. I can't decide what to do for my clients. They get to decide for themselves. I can help them make informed, good decisions, but I can't pick for them. And I don't want to, because I want my clients to make good, informed decisions that are their decisions, not my decisions. Right. And if they choose an illegal decision, we have to be there to say, no, you can't do that. Right? Right. We we can do a lot of things, but you can't do that. Right. Yes. (laughs) I cannot support you in this, you know, now not possible illegal, you know, this illegal activity. Well, there you go. Something that violates public policy, you know. Well, you know, I'll give my son, you know, a million dollars, but only if he marries a good Catholic girl. I'm like, nah, we can't do that. Sorry. (laughs) Right. And what's the definition of good, right? Only the good die young, Billy Joel, all of that. Michael, this has been a brilliant discussion. And we 
still have our law licenses, which is essential mm. to be in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. Thanks for right. another record-setting appearance. I think this was your best one. Well, thanks. I always appreciate being able to come on. Thank you, Michael Bailey, and thanks a lot for being part of Craig's Colorado Corner, which is part of the Craig Silverman Show. I believe in you, and it's great to know you believe in me, and it's great to know you're so busy. Everybody call Michael Bailey. He's easy to talk to. He's a fair guy. The only problem is he doesn't charge enough. Michael, raise your rates, okay? Well, you know, I, I would like to do that, but I'm trying to be fair to clients. There you, and, you know, go. I may be busy, but I'm not too busy to help you. Michael Bailey, that's our lawyer. Trish loves him. I do too. Thanks, Michael. You're welcome, Craig. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's the show. We hope you liked it. Please subscribe. Tell your friends. Leave a five-star review. Thanks for listening.